So last Sunday, we looked at Mordecai in the book of Esther. Mordecai, and we talked about prioritizing people, investing in the lives of others. How did it go? Asking myself too. Did we make some good investments this week, prioritizing people in the name of Jesus? Let's continue to support and encourage each other in loving God and loving people. And today, we turn to Esther herself. From orphan to queen, from tragedy and trauma to favor and influence for such a time as this. When I read stories about God's people in the Bible, and I'm imagining a lot of you do this as well, the Old Testament's full of them, I often try to adopt the perspective of that character and make it personal to myself. How is that person feeling? Have I felt the same way? What choices are they making or being faced with? And what choices or opportunities are in front of me? How is God actively and powerfully at work in their life? What can I learn and apply to my life? So let's not only reflect about Esther, let's pause and reflect about ourselves. For such a time, Let's take these words and apply them to our lives for such a time. What does it mean for us today in our individual lives, in our families, in our community, in our work as a church, the body of Christ? What is our for such a time? And like Esther, we need to recognize God's calling and empowering for such a time as this. As many of you know, I teach a grade 6-7 band class. And for many of my students, their instrument is a brand new instrument. It's like, how do I even open the case? How do I put it together? What am I supposed to do here? How do I play this? What's going on? But they learn how to put it together, the first notes. They accept the opportunity. Most of the time, they have the comfort of the entire band playing. They are not alone. The pressure doesn't rest on them. But sometimes, sometimes, the band teacher, that'd be me, wants to hear just one section. Like only the flutes over there, only the trombones with their slides. They don't move them that fast, hopefully. They're working very hard. And there's nowhere to hide. You're out on your own doing what only you can do. It takes courage. It takes commitment. For such a time, Esther, you're the queen. It's you. 
God hasn't given anyone else this specific opportunity. It's you. Recognize what's happening around you. Understand God's calling on your life and move forward in God's mighty power. And you can see that we've stopped talking about Esther and we've started talking about ourselves. We need to recognize God's specific calling and empowering for us. So let's move back and forth. Let's look at the life of Esther, but let's continue to make those connections to our own lives. Last week, I talked about the beginning of the book of Esther. Huge banquet, drunken king acting foolishly, Vashti's out, and the search for a new queen begins. Enter Esther. She is described in chapter 2, verse 7, as being beautiful, physically beautiful. Now, there are portions of Scripture that caution us against focusing on the external, the physical. But in this story, Esther's physical beauty is important. I believe it's clearly linked to the favor that she experiences. And she has favor. Favor with the king's eunuch. Chapter 2, verse 9. Favor with everyone who saw her. Verse 15. Favor with the king. Verse 17. Favor, favor, favor. Don't get me wrong, Esther's physical appearance is not the only thing going for her. I mean, Esther is beautiful, intelligent, discerning, and courageous. She's outstanding in many ways. But what do we make of beauty? I want to offer a thought, a word, and you can weigh it and see if it resonates with you. I want to say that every person that God has created is beautiful. Each and every person is beautiful because God creates beauty. God creates things that are good. And God creates many different kinds of beauty, different sizes, different shapes, different shades of color. They are beautiful. You are beautiful. I have four daughters. I'm a dad. I have sons as, as well, but I have four daughters. That's my street cred for this point. And I've seen the struggle the unfair and inaccurate expectations for body type put on many, if not all, people, especially young women. So we speak against this in the name of Jesus. We say to our preteens, to our teens, 
to those still struggling with the lies of the enemy, we speak the truth and say, you are beautiful. You are so beautiful. Amen. Amen. And part of recognizing God's calling is to understand the wonder of who we are. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Vacation Bible School theme verse. We, you and me, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's handiwork. You are beautiful. You have been fashioned with care and precision by the master craftsman down to the last detail, appearance, personality, abilities, and God is calling you. He has plans and purposes for your life. Recognize God's calling and empowering. God gives Esther much favor. We read at the end of chapter 2 how she is made queen. There's a big banquet and a holiday. I mean, this king loves his banquets. And then in chapter 3, the story shifts. We talked about it last week. We read of Haman's plot, the terrible edict to destroy all the Jews on a specific day. And in chapter 4, we see that Esther faces a choice. She has the opportunity to speak to the king to plead for the lives of her people. But this choice will require much courage because there's a potential problem, a rather large obstacle. It's quite likely that she will be killed because it's certain death to approach the king without being summoned. Certain death unless the king extends the gold scepter, sparing the person's life. What will Esther do? God has placed her in this position given her this opportunity as queen for such a time as this. The words of Mordecai are ringing in her ears, but what will she do? You see, my friends, it's not enough to recognize the call of God. We need to also recognize and walk in the power of God. For God not only calls, He empowers. It's God's power that completes the calling. God doesn't ask you to do something for Him and then leave you. He remains with you. He works through you. He goes before you. He is behind you. He is above you. He is beneath you all around you. And God fills you. God fills you with His Spirit. God fills you 
with His power, God calls and empowers. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. John 14, 16, 17. Esther connected with God. She tapped into the power source. She fasted. Esther chapter 4, verse 16. I realize it doesn't mention praying or seeking God, but we know, we know from the rest of Scripture, it's fasting and praying and seeking the Lord. And the whole community does this, fasts, prays, seeks the Lord. We will not move forward until we have immersed ourselves in the presence of God. We will recognize both God's call and God's power. And then Esther says, I will go. I will speak to the king. I will answer the call. I will move forward in the power of the eternal living God, the same God yesterday, today, forever. And if I perish, I perish. God will determine the outcome. It's His calling, His empowering. But I will answer. I will move forward. The story continues. In chapter 5, Esther approaches the king. And the king extends the gold scepter. What would you like, my queen? Up to half the kingdom, and it will be yours. And Esther invites the king and Haman to a banquet. Very wise. The king likes his banquets. And at the banquet, the king asks again, what is your request, my sweetums? Actually, the text doesn't say sweetums, but any, anyhow. And Esther is so wise here. She gives it time. Let's have a second banquet. Then I'll ask. I mean, I don't know if I would have been that savvy, that patient. It feels like she's kind of working them, like laying the groundwork, being patient. But it's all part of the plan, and I don't mean Esther's plan, I mean God's plan, because that very night, the king cannot sleep. And although it's not stated, this is obviously God at work. It's almost more obvious because it's not stated. The king can't sleep. Come on, read me the records. Yeah, that's a good idea. That might put anybody to sleep. And the king is reminded how Mordecai 
saved his life. And he's thinking, Mordecai has not been honored. We need to fix this. And then conveniently, again, God, Haman shows up. God is in control. Haman shows up, and he's going to ask the king to kill Mordecai. But before Haman can say anything to the king, the king asks him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? And Haman's thinking, he means me. <laughs> oh, yes. And then Haman like goes for it. Royal robe, royal horse, led around through the streets by a noble prince. This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. And then the king says, great, go and do that for Mordecai. The irony, the surprising reversal. It's just the beginning because God turns everything around. There's more details to the story, but the results are that God blesses his people. Haman is killed. A new edict is written. There is victory for the Jewish people. There is blessing. There is ongoing blessing for Mordecai and Esther. And we can look back and rejoice in how Esther recognized God's calling and empowering. We can examine our lives to realize how God is working in the seen and the unseen, in the known and the unknown, in the familiar and the foreign. And we can be alert and attentive to God's call. Those moments in our lives where God asks us to decide, to choose, to step out in faith and courage, to move forward with conviction and power, God's power. It can seem like a small thing. It can seem like a big thing. What matters is if it's a God thing. We, when we recognize and respond to God's calling and God's empowering, we participate in building God's kingdom. I'll ask the music team to come forward. In the story of Esther, although it's not directly stated, God has the final word. God had the final word in the story of Esther. Not everyone in the story recognized this, but there was no power greater than God. Not the power of the people, not even the power of the king. The power of God was greater. God had the final word. And today, still, God 
has the final word. Jesus came to earth and died on a cross, and we are left with a choice. Will we recognize God's calling and empowering and follow God's final word? Will we choose to follow Jesus?